Thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my lovely friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi, yi, 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 yi. it's me. If you ever move, <laughs> well, that was weird. <laughs> yes. Just summoning spirits. Are you like, if you ever move, do I have to change your location, or do you want me to keep saying Nashville so people low key think you live in the Music City? Well. I'll always own a home in Nashville, if I'm being honest. Doesn't mean I'm Doesn't I won't mean that's buy. where you're from. Well, I'm from Illinois. Yeah, but you're currently residing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you I'm... ever record an episode not in Nashville, I gotta. F- yeah, I'll let <laughs> you know. From Muncie, Illinois. We've never done that, though. In I've Muncie, never recorded Indiana. not in Nashville. <laughs> I recorded in Nashville. Yes, we did that. That one. was the episode. That was the COVID, COVID episode. episode. That was like two days before the world shut down. It was. I'm so glad. Our you got predictions. Us. We had a nice burger and beer and episode. Yeah, it was great. I uh, I listened to that episode like six months ago, and I was like, man, I'm so tired of hearing about COVID. And I was like, <laughs> why am I listening to this episode? And it's what's crazy is that like it wasn't too far off. No, it was pretty. Uh, Maybe I've just watched good. like enough like zombie end of the world twenty eight day later movies <laughs> that I'm just like, yeah, this is the procedure. This is it. This is what's gonna. This is what's gonna happen. So <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> anyway, that's not what today's episode's about. That was just another one of us rambling. You guessed it. Anyway, today's episode is on how to train your ear. Mm-hmm. You got two of them. We should make this a plural. Uh-huh. This is all about like the mono. We'll have a stereo episode to come. <laughs> uh. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's going to be a good episode. Um, I feel like there's a lot of ways to do this. And I think what people think it's going to be about isn't what it's going to be about. I think it's going to, but I think it's going to go down a really cool path that doesn't have you like sitting in front of a monitor playing like 400 hertz at your face all day. Nah. Be like, this is 400 hertz. <laughs> so. This is 400 hertz and it hurts. <laughs> 400 hertz hurts. 400 yeah. hertz hurts. Put that on a coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> 400 hertz hurts. I mean, really. You, you know what do, hurts is like you can 20 do any frequency. Hertz, it just for like some 22. reason. Yeah. You play some of that stuff like too loud, and you're just like, "Holy crap, this is really uncomfortable to be around." 400 hertz hurts just sounds more aggressive for some reason. Have you ever seen those videos with people who have just like crazy subwoofers in their car, and they'll have like the girl that they're trying to impress, and the, like, the that was next me to be like, at 16. Oh. I had Sony explodes. <laughs> Man, like they like this part of the song. There's like a drop or something, uh-huh. and then their hair just goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just to, like holy crap. That's a lot of air movement. I used to shake some stuff in my Toyota Celica. Jeez, I had a 1992 old beat up Celica, and I put I some had a Sony Explodes. 95 Ford Ranger. It's a cool car, honestly. It was my my truck was legit. It was fun to drive. I love that thing. Okay, yours. Like so, you souped up the sound system. Yeah, I put in um, the trunk rattler. Yeah, I put in two twelves, and uh, I was like really into like trying to do Fast and Furious. I got a new muffler put on the thing. I put some LED lights inside with a switch. Um, <laughs> I got new hubcaps, not rims. <laughs> Ew. I was cool at sixteen with that. Um, it was a fun little car. Do you remember spinners? Yeah, I remember spinners. Uh, those things are still cool. I like those. Anytime I see them, I'm just like, man, I get so dizzy watching that. Some of the Bentleys have spinners. They're like on money them. signs are just hanging there. The, 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 yeah, the Mercedes the Benz, they have them in the they have them in the middle. They're like, yeah, oh, it doesn't. They got move. bearings around them. Let's do this episode. <laughs> we should do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all just want an episode? Answer in the comments, or we don't have comments. Don't have Answer comments. somewhere if you just want an episode of just us rambling, because we're five minutes in and we've already. I, I think we could do an hour of us just rambling. This call is already an hour and fourteen minutes long. So, ear training, make it work. Ear training, ear training. Let's lock it in ear for training. the audience. Not beer training, ear training. Sam, Matt, take us into housekeeping. We Woo-hoo! haven't even done that yet. 
Welcome to my house. Come on in. You can keep your shoes on or take them off, whatever you want. But I will need you to go on Instagram. I need you to screenshot an episode you're listening to now or a favorite previous episode. Go to Instagram, post it or post it on your story. Tag me at Moses Mastering. Tag Matt for the record mastering. Then we will share your post. We are cross-marketing as always, but also we get to know you one-on-one, which is so fun, actually. That is fun. Every week I get to know somebody new in our audience. And you guys and gals are awesome. So that's a lot of fun. So if you could help us out, please help us out. Share the episodes. It is growing slowly, which is what we like. And we're getting to know you, which is even more fun. And that is the joy of housekeeping. You let people keep their shoes on at your house? Yeah, if they want to. It's, it's a lot of time. It's part of people's outfits in Nashville. Like they take their shoes off and they got socks. I don't or fucking care. Wear good socks then. Dang. Oh, that's nasty. Why is that nasty? Most of the shoes uh, people have on are like brand new anyway. They're like warm. Really? Yeah, they're like part of the outfit. Oh, uh, you know, Nikes no, or Jordans. That's Dorans like you go into boots. a gas station bathroom. Well, no and one's you got, going like all this like gas station bathroom floor walking all over my house. I clean my floors, uh, Matt. <laughs> I clean my floors too, especially after people leave. Dude, I will legit prime the front door with shoes that like act like they've been taken off before coming into my house. Oh my gosh. And if you don't get the hint, I will send you back to the front door to take your shoes off. I don't care if it's a fashion thing. You should have worn cooler socks. Good to know. That's gross. Take your shoes Good off my house. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. I think it's pretty gross. Yeah. Anyway. Well, <laughs> if you come Train. to my house, you can keep your shoes on, guys. I won't think you're gross. I'll probably take my shoes off if I go to your house. <laughs> my socks be popping. I do have some cool socks. Okay. Carry Wearing, on. like toe socks with faces on them? Nope. That's not cool. Those are kind of weird. <laughs> that's not cool. I just feel like that would be like so kind of weird if you, I don't know. Whatever. We need to do this episode. Yeah, we got it. Come on. And not talk about toe socks. We're here. Right. We're doing it. So, Sam. So, Matt. To get where you are, did you do in the past some type of ear training in a formalized manner? Not like school. <laughs> school for the ears. But did you ever, like, like, how did you get to where you are as far as like, a quick decision, you hear something, I don't like it, I know where that is, I know, or I know what this should sound like, and this does not sound like that. Um, I did know, I did know formal training. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do any formal ear training. I am darn near 100% self-taught in everything that has to do with mastering. Um, when I started, I was very much alone in my mastering after like five or six years Actually, actually, like three or four years, I finally got to watch some real mastering engineers, quote unquote real, and realized they really weren't doing anything special, which doesn't mean they weren't good. just means that everybody's got their own process and and hears differently, and that's actually great, and that becomes your thing. Um, but as far as ear training, no, I, I never got into like test tones or like doing ear quizzes or frequency studying. Um I spent a lot of time just listening to records as a whole. Um, And then as I got into, like, I'll say more serious about mastering, I started to just study more so areas of frequency. So like low end and mids and highs. And then I started to really mess around with where uh, where does the vocal live, which is still like kind of my guiding rule I'm constantly and I'm obsessed with studying where is the vocal placement um, Matt and I were talking about when I listen to like New Music Friday each Friday to check out what's coming out what's popular I'm always paying attention to where has everyone placed the vocal is it up front is it getting tucked more is it bright is it thuddy is it what is it what's happening with the vocal because the vocal is going to be one of the if not the most um important thing when it comes to perceived loudness and how we perceive how loud a song is. Even if it's normalized, vocal placement will make one song sound louder than another. And um, also when you're mastering a record, 
you only have control over the stereo file. And since our ears are super sensitive to that 1 to 5K region, basically where the vocal lives, um, at least tangibility of it, it um, it's really important to make sure you don't boost that too much or take away too much and start getting the vocal feeling goofy. So as far as training, um, you know, lots of listening to records. You got to know what records sound like. That would be like step one. It's like, I know you didn't ask me to give steps, but quick and dirty would be like step one. You've got to be someone, in my opinion, who consumes records. Um, you have to know what music sounds like. Uh, as you do this longer and longer, you'll get to know what mixes sound like, which I wish, this is something I wish existed, is like a database of mixes <laughs> that you could listen to mixes and then listen to the master because I think that would be super helpful for people that want to master because for me, I don't feel like I became a great master engineer until I understood uh, mixing. And I actually mixed for like three or four years and actually had commercial success mixing first before I really transitioned 100% into mastering. So I kind of had this little benefit of understanding the mix stage and kind of what's capable there. Um, But if you don't have that, you know, it just takes time for you to learn, you know, what do mixes sound like? And then as you get clients, you'll realize that every client mixes differently. So you start to notice like, how does a client mix? What's their sound? And then how do you complement that sound? Um, but yeah, you've got to be a consumer of records. And then you have to be someone who is willing, in my opinion, to do some sort of nerdy, uh, analysis like I've talked about a little bit before, but I'll say it again is like you can pull up like a multi band uh, compressor without it compressing and just solo the bands like a C6 on Waves or really any multi band compressor usually has a solo option. And if you pull up a song you really like or a record you really like, spend 30 minutes to an hour. I used to do, th- do this with, um, with Bruno Mars 24 Karat. Anything kind of serving is mixed. That's a good record. Yeah. Um, those records translate really well. They also have proven commercial success, which is honestly a big factor to me of like, when I'm going to study a record, I actually look up like, what's the sales of this record? Is this actually moving units like or streams? Because that's important to people at the end of the day is like what sells because we are in a business and industry that's about making money. Um, off a investment into music. So I study sales a bit. Like when pop, when songs are quote unquote popular, I'll go look up the sales or I'll see like, is the record gone gold or platinum or how many streams it has. But anyway, 24 Karat Bruno Mars, great reference point for pop. Um, you know, I studied that record a lot. You know, where does the low end, where's the kick sit? Where does it actually sit? Where's the bass? Is the bass actually bassy or is it just a tangibility thing that I'm hearing the attack of the bass? Where are the vocals? You know, where do they live? You know, if I mute this section, bypass this section, what goes away? You need to make, at least for me, what I did is like I had a little notepad or you can do it in Logic on Notes or Pro Tools. I don't know if Pro Tools has a note section, like a proper note section. I know you can add little notes on the channel strips, but um, somewhere start studying records because it's our job as master engineers to know how to finish records. It's very hard to finish a record if you're not extremely familiar with what finished records sound like. Um, And so that's something, if you want to become a great mastering engineer, you need to be able to recall in your brain quickly where things live in a song because that'll help you troubleshoot extremely quickly then when you get a song, you're like, oh, it feels a little thin, or oh, it's a little brighter, oh, where's the middle, or hey, the impact's gone, where are the drums, or blah, blah, blah. You can recall in your head and go, hey, that, I think I think the pokiness of the vocals at 1.9K in the middle, so maybe I'll do mid-side and I'll adjust that to make it stand out more, or I'll tuck it back in because it's too pokey and edgy and hurt my ears, or hey, it's actually better when... If you want to adjust sub, don't go for 65 hertz. Go for 30 hertz with the slope sliding into 65 hertz because it's smoother. That's a little pro tip. Um, 
But there's different things like that. If you study records, you will figure out where things actually live in a song because often people think, oh, the bass is here at 65 hertz or the the kick is here and this is that. And a lot of what people confuse, honestly, this took me a long time to figure out too, is like the tangibility sound versus like the fundamental sound. So when a kick drum hits, you've got the beater head click sound or the slap sound, whatever you want to call it. And it's that click sound that translates on small speakers. Then, of course, you have the lower sub, you know, of the kick, um, you know, that can live. It just depends on the song style, like 40, 40 to 100, like usually pick somewhere as a mixer or when you're tracking what, where you want the kick to live. But a lot of people confuse tangibility, um, perceived tangibility with actual fundamental. So if someone's like, I need more kick drum. What they might be saying is I actually need more 2K of the beater head slapping in the middle. Um, so that's something like within mastering, when people give me feedback of, usually when they say I would like some more kick or I'd like some more of this or that, I found they're actually talking about like the tangible sound more than like the actual fundamental of those instruments of a bass or a kick, things of that nature. So those are kind of the things that you know I've done to train my ears. Um, another fun thing to do, and then I'm going to hand it off, is if you ever get the chance to be peers with mastering engineers, <laughs> peers with mastering engineers, uh, you know, master have everybody master the same song with people you trust and people that you know are not really in it to beat you, but you're in it to get perspectives. Um, like Matt and I have mastered the same song before. Um, we've mastered, I've mastered it, a song or a few, a few songs with some other bigger, I'll say bigger than us, master engineers to compare what we do to them. And it's very helpful, I found, when we do that to then go, oh, that's your take on it. That's cool. That's your take on it. And cool. And all the takes are honestly correct, in my opinion. Um, But it's very fun and educating to kind of learn and see where people are drawn to um, and how they got there. So let me pause there because that was kind of a lot. And Matt, how about you? You train your ears? How'd you train your ears? Did you ever play with any of those apps? No. Or websites? No, but I want to, I actually want to go like try that tonight and see if I fail. (laughs) I know Quiz Tones is one of them. I don't know if it's still around. These are like all I just remember when like we started. Because I remember often. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one, like, I know I have like really good ears as far as like locating the issues and knowing what to do. Like I know what to do really well, but I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if if someone plays like 460 if I'm like that's 460. I just I don't know, you know. Maybe I think I could get like a general within 100, but like the exact tone, I don't know. I'm going to try it though. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm kind of looking these up. I have very low expectations for my ability to pick out specific tones. I don't know how I am now. Oh, shoot, it is still a thing. Yeah, so Quiz Tones is totally still around, connecting to App Store. Well, it's okay. I got another one I can look at. (laughs) So Isotope did one as well, and I remember this back like a long time ago when I was kind of... um, I, I was like a few years into it when I remember seeing this. It's like when they did a lot of the stuff with uh, Jonathan Weiner, mm-hmm. or at least when like a lot of that started. And uh, I was, I remember, I was like, I was like mastering part time, and I was uh, running my cigar shop, and I'd be like, "Oh, he's got like a webinar at like this time," and I was like, "I'm gonna go check it out," and then I'd miss it. And, but then now, now they're recording, they post it. That's cool. Um, anyway. Isotope had these like pro audio essentials and you could listen to like equalization, compression, and digital audio basics. And so they'd be like they're like they do like boosts and cuts in certain areas of songs you never heard before and <laughs> what changed? And it's like, I don't know, it sounds pretty same to me. And uh I was never really good at it. I'd have to Yes, leave sight. I'd have to go and listen back. But then there was that like mobile ear training for quiz tones. And that would kind of do the same thing. Um, 
I would say that made me a better um, front of house engineer than it did mastering engineer. Just because if you heard something that was pretty wonky, you could be like, oh yeah, that's like 800 and uh, it's like, yeah, we can take care of that. Boop, 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 boop. And then you're good. Um, it worked really well on the on the top end for like feedback and whatnot, and you could kind of figure out it's like if you if you wanted to pull a frequency, it wasn't really like working with the room, with the system, with I don't know, maybe like the speakers were like directly behind the lead singer or something like that, and uh, they had an SM7 that you had a cloud lifter, and then your gain was like completely peaked because SM7s like the juice and. Uh, yeah, and then they're just it's kind of like in the little notorious feedback situation. Um, but anyway, those were always interesting, but I was never really any good at them. Let's see, what else do I have? I was just curious if you've ever done it. I might, when you talk next, I'm going to totally look up C on my mm-hmm. phone if Quiz Tones is still on. I'm sure I still have it. Like Apple just like undownloaded all of my Quiz Tones. Yeah, I can re-download it. Apple's like, do you want us to undownload the things you're not using? It's like, yeah, but I'm going to need them, and I'm not going to have internet to re-download them. Um, anyway, I'm going to re-download that, and I'll do that this evening. Let me know when you're doing it, and I'll do it. And we'll, okay. We'll, we'll see who's superior. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, some other stuff. So um, I'm pretty on board with you. I don't really go on to like the New Music Friday and all that stuff too much. Um a lot of it's just like a like a ton of hip hop, and I don't do a lot of hip hop. Uh, you do a lot of hip hop, mm-hmm. but like, oh, if I'm like listening to the like top pop or uh, country and stuff that like people are gonna listen and list as their um, their top genres, dude. But like hip hop and rap, it's like around the world. It's like you look up top songs by country, and it's like all hip hop and rap artists. It is yep. such a massive genre. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. But generally, stuff that like I will work on, I'll kind of look up who's doing what and what's happening. Um, some stuff that I've written down. I mean, you mentioned it. Vocal placement is pretty darn paramount. Um, a lot of my indie stuff and like indie rock stuff, a lot of it is more ducked and tucked. Mm-hmm. That rhymed. <laughs> than it used to be and that's that's cool I don't mind it and it's like I'll do a lot of like pop and country to where and like CCM to where like the vocals like like in your face and um, but then I'll go to like one of these indie ones and I'll kind of do like a half backed off one and they'll be like oh can we pull the vocal back a little bit and I was like yeah sorry I've been doing a lot of pop recently and uh We'll kind of need to do that. Um, but then you have like the whole like dark records versus bright records and uh, just kind of following like what's going on there. You know, another one is uh, snare placement. Yeah. And snare tone. Because mm-hmm. like snares got really dark for a while. I think they're still pretty dark. Now they're like some places they're kind of like getting back to gunshot territory. But um, yeah. And then they would put like a bunch of distortion on them. Like a lot of like indie people would distort the uh, the the bejesus out of it, yeah, <laughs> and uh, then just like overall distortion on the whole song, and so that kind of lets you know per some of their, um, per some of the clients' references, like yeah, I could put a Saturn on this, and yeah, I could probably dial it into like fifty percent blend, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yeah, you know, let's go like I don't know, plus point five, plus one dB on the input of it, and let's just kind of see what happens. We drive it a little bit, um, yeah, okay. So, what about like, do you ever do any like uh, hi-fi listening? Samuel? Yeah, sometimes I do, um, and then I just. Learned about Q O B U Z Cubus, which is a actual high res audio streaming company. Q U boat Q U what Q O B U Z, and they are the pretty much the only actual streaming company that will stream actually stream twenty four one ninety two up to um 
and they'll do offline listening as well. Um, so yeah, so I've checked that out, and I'm well. I'm going to subscribe to that, but I do do some high res listening, um, but I don't find that to be part of my ear training. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> guessing sample rates. Yeah, but what I okay, one this thing I do thirty two bit. Yeah, well, and what I want to say though is something I do 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 I poo poo, um, <laughs> is I will I did start to go for a while into ozone to their to their codex uh, section, and flip on the different codecs in the street in the bit rates, because you can listen to the delta, but you can also. Mm-hmm hear a drastic difference between quality um, and you can kind of get a heads up obviously of okay when this song goes to streaming and at best it streams at whatever three is it 320 um, is high res for Spotify Spotify's high res is basically good mp3 quality um, and man another quick thing <laughs> while I'm on this tangent because I've done a, a deep dive on all this crap um most consumer devices in your iPhone, iPhone is the best out there. It it only maxes out at forty eight twenty four. It literally cannot play back higher than that. So if you're streaming, quote unquote, streaming higher than that, uh, your your converter in your iPhone's knocking it down to forty eight twenty four. Um, Spotify actually says if you, I only know this because I've done it. Yeah. They actually say that if you are up-resing stuff that obviously is... Like you, I don't think it up-reses or up-samples. I think it would just play. If something was uploaded at 96.24 or yeah. whatever, um, super high-res. And it was, yeah, it was uploaded there. And if Spotify allows that to be played, they do say whenever you select it that it must be played with an external DAC. Right, yeah. And it will not be played... At that right. res, without that yeah. external deck, and it's like whether it's like one of those audio quest dragonflies or something, right? Uh, what have you? But it will not play it. Yeah, but yeah, that's something that so many people are like, oh, I want to update, upload high res, and then I'm trying to listen to high res. I'm like, yeah, at best you're forty eight twenty four. If you're Bluetooth, Bluetooth literally cannot stream high res. Um, mm-hmm. it's not possible outside of, I saw like two different third party app, really weird loop setups within your own network, but Bluetooth can't do high res. So that's like so many people are like, oh, I'm high resing on Bluetooth. It's like Bluetooth is one of the worst, uh, ways to listen to music. If you're trying to listen to the actual thing. Okay. Circle back. What I do in Ozone for training of ear is I will listen to all of those and notice what happens. You know, is the top end being removed? You know, what's being removed? And usually, once again, I'm focusing on the vocal. And so when I master records, I will make the record, honestly, a hair brighter and usually focus on the vocal a lot, really getting that a hair pokey, which most people really like. But I do notice when it gets to streaming that it feels like it tucks it back in a hair. Um, because of the bad uh, encoding that happens to your song. Um, So I'll take that into account, and I do think that's important with how much people stream now. So what you upload isn't what you're hearing. Um, But I, as a master engineer, I think it's part of my duty to notice those nuances. And you may not notice them, but I know that 0.2 dB at 1.9 in the middle or something is actually going to make all the difference once it gets uh, encoded a bajillion different ways and streams back to you. I'm reading a handful of things that are saying Bluetooth can go up to 96.24. I've never seen that. That that it can throw it. I don't think it can go any higher than that, but I also am of the belief that higher than that is arguably... A touch silly. A lot of people look at me and say 96.24 that I master at is arguably silly. Um, But it seems, I don't know, I'm going to look this up a little bit more. And it could just be like Bluetooth 5. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's a technology that's constantly evolving. Right. Um, I mean, we'll probably get there eventually. But, um, yeah, I just looked that up. Because I looked this up literally like two weeks ago and... There wasn't anything. There was something about like if you used 
once again like a workaround. Um, this says sure. like Qualcomm's APX HD adapter can do up to ninety six potentially, but it transmits normally at forty eight twenty four. Yeah, and it's not like it's also like what's capturing it too. Yeah, that's true. And so it's like if I'm on AirPods, which I love AirPods, I love AirPods so much. I'm an idiot because I have four <laughs> pairs because they keep on dying on me, and I refuse to find another wireless Bluetooth headphone. Anyway. Um, I mean, I think they sound really good, but it's like I'm not going to for a second believe that I'm going to be listening to like high res on this regardless of what anyone says. Yeah. Um, what I'm reading anyway. here with Apple, this is from Apple's site. It says Bluetooth 5.0 is not lossless and does not Yeah, I'm seeing that too. I don't know. Anyway, as far as training, I think it's once again like for mastering it is our responsibility on some level to understand the mediums, just like the OG shout out original mastering engineers who were scientists and understood how to cut vinyl and use electricity. They had to know what was going to happen to the song when it got cut to vinyl or cut to whatever, pushed to tape. Like they had to know how that was going to impact um, where the song was and where, you know, once it hits the medium. And we still need to do that, I think, on some level. Um, thankfully, I mean, when I say all this, it sounds kind of drastic. And at the end of the day, am I going to sit here and be like, ah, is this a make or break? Like if someone consumes the song on Bluetooth as opposed to like a high res, like on a, even like a CD, is that going to make the song perform better or not? Probably not. (laughs) Like the, the audience doesn't, the audience clearly uh, does not care about quality of audio. Otherwise, people would stop using streaming services, in my opinion, like at the end of the day. Because streaming is... It doesn't even bother me. Like, I I use Spotify. I have no issues with Spotify, personally. Um, and I just know that what I'm listening to is kind of just, like, not the real thing. But I, I don't ever, sure. like, consciously... I'm not like, oh, man... This record's not as good. Shucks. Shucks. I'm in my car, like <laughs> Yeah. I'm never disappointed. <laughs> like I'm gonna switch out every four letter word I know for fiddlesticks. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, the high res thing, fun to listen to. I can hear I mean, when you hit ninety six or like one ninety two, there's a definite fidelity and like openness. Uh I notice everything in the top end, to be honest. Like especially mm-hmm. if I get mixes that are ninety six. Um and then we have to get them down to 44116 or 4824. You know, when I A B it, there's a pretty clear difference. Um, but, you know, the song's still great. It's all there in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but 96 is really nice. I mean, I like the way 96 sounds a lot. The, the openness of the top end, I think, is more accurate representation of probably what was there. Um, but anyway, I digress on that. Uh, hand it back to you, Matt. Are you a high res? I know you like kind of like hi fi stuff. I really like hi fi stuff. Probably more than me. You're probably well, way more educated on it than me. I'm not like Dave McNair educated, but I'm Dave McNair's just gonna get a shout out every one of these episodes just so he keeps listening. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Um I really I'm I'm a big high res fan. I'm of the belief that mastering engineers are just like like even more particular audiophiles who like have control problems, they got to get to it before the uh, before the audiophiles do, and it's like, no, I got to have it this way. Um, yeah, I really like it. I love the the vinyl stuff. Um, I think that I, I love that cassettes are making a comeback. I think it's funny because I think CDs are going to make a comeback, and I'm wondering if CDs are going to make a comeback before they even like completely go out. Um, but I'm kind of also curious if like the vinyl thing is plateauing a touch. Mm. And talking with Dave, though, he was saying he thinks that it's plateaued because all of the plants are pretty backed up. Hmm. Um, but no, I love vinyl. I love that like it's just like a resurging format. Um, I remember as a kid just playing with like my grandparents' 
like both grandparents, like turntables and whatnot. I don't even remember what they had. And uh, finding my dad's old like Led Zeppelin record. I can't remember which record it was, but it was the one of like, it's the white record and like it has this like pinwheel in it and it's got all these holes and like all these like crazy designs on this pinwheel just kind of like go in front of these. I don't know, it was just like a really cool interactive thing. Like there was like an Elton John one, like the Yellow Brick Road and like Ario. Yeah, it was just... It was it was really cool, and I was always just like really interested, and I was I was just always as a kid just trying to figure out how it worked, and like looking at a gramophone, and I'm like, no way, like like this little needle goes in here and like makes all this stuff work, and I saw this like little experiment, and like I was in Boy Scouts and seeing one of the like experiments. And like you can put the you can put a record on like a number two pencil, and you like have like a Dixie cup with a, like a thumbtack or something through it and you spin the number two pencil and you can put the thumbtack with the Dixie cup on the groove and you can hear Elton John sing Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. So I don't know. I was just like, from then on, it was like, man, I got to figure this out. And so I'm just kind of, you know, chasing the tail of the dragon, I suppose. I got really into it after college. I mean, in like a little military college, can't really do much with the vinyl. It'd be funny having a vinyl collection there. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. It's like kind of like whenever anyone gets into hi-fi, you're like really into Bose. And then and it's like, you realize like Bose sounds good everywhere. And then you kind of like really like dial in like after that about like what path you want to go down. Um, I heard Bose anyway, stuff. Yes. I, I'm totally making up this myth that I've heard that <laughs> Bose stuff, they put reverb within their DSP or something. And that's why everything <laughs> yeah. sounds, the Bose, the Bose sound is reverb, is what I heard one time. I have no huh. idea if that's true or not. This was like 10 years ago. Somebody was like, oh, it's because they it's have like a reverb built to like in. 1%. Yeah, or something where it makes everything feel more like depth and, you know, wide and shiny and whatever reverb can do. I can't explain it. I remember as a, I remember when I was in college, like I had these like little Bose speakers on my desk. And I, you remember the old show 24? Yes. I was watching that and then like a phone rang in the command center where, what is his name? Jack Bauer. Yes. Was. And like I legit heard a phone ring behind me, and there was nothing behind me. There was a wall behind me, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I was like, "That was like the first one." I was like, "Man, these speakers are wild." Um, actually, it's kind of funny. Those were those I got those in college. Then they were in my cigar shop, and that's what I used to play music on there. I gave them to my wife when she was running her store in Hilton Head, and now they're sitting in my dad's office. And so, like, I still have them. those things last forever. Um. But yeah, I got into that, and then I like really just kind of like dove back into vinyl, into like all like swapping out cartridges and phono pre's and turntables and receivers, and now I'm into went from moving magnet cartridges to moving coil cartridges, and now I'm getting like into like all this like crazy Japanese audiophile stuff <laughs> and translating these Japanese like articles. That are like, yeah, this is the best photo pre I had, and I did this, this, and this. I'm like, all right, cool. When it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really into it now. My, like last week, my wife found this big goofy leather chair that was all dried out, and went and got it and rehydrated it over the weekend and conditioned it. And wow. Now, now I got this sweet listening chair, and I was just hanging out in my living room listening to old jazz records last night. It was fantastic. And it's just like, just doing stuff that just, I don't know. There's another thing that I really enjoy doing as far as like just training your ears and whatnot is like, if you ever go to like a live symphony, like for some reason, like there's just like so much going on in the air. Like every time I go to one, like my ears like tingle. It's, <laughs> it's like really weird. Like I get like, you get like goosebumps down your back and stuff. You're like, holy crap, like what is going on in this room and just like, like the power of music and just kind of like experiencing it. And I mean, I think live music is like a really good thing to do. Um, I'd say like, as you know, a mastery engineer, be careful of your ears. I mean, you don't want to like, you know, end up with tinnitus and all other stuff. You're like cutting 15 K out of everything when it's really just your ears. Um, one thing I actually, um, 
I don't know. I I think like a lot of like a lot of these bigger churches. It's like they got their music freaking cranked. I'm now one of those people. It's like turn it down. Um, but it's like it's like I'm I'm starting to care. Like I have like little like molded earplugs that like kind of like tune everything down. And it's just like man, this is like really freaking loud. I actually went to an Elton John concert this summer. It was like his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, and. Of all the concerts I've been to in my life, all the heavy metal concerts and everything, I had to freaking go to the bathroom, get paper towels, stick it in my mouth to like wet it, and I had to use this earplugs at an Elton John concert. And I was like, good grief. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm weird like that. But go to live shows, listen to how like people are mixing things. Um, I would say listen to records, buy records. Um, yeah, and just figure out where a lot of stuff is. Um, let's go... Let's go on to hardware. Mm. This is kind of an odd thing. Um, I have I have like two or three more points. But let's go on to hardware. Do you do anything to particularly, like, you get a new piece? Is there anything you do to learn that and how it works into your chain? Yeah, with anything I get or plugins, I I just absolutely abuse it to start. So I crank the input like 1,000% up. Or if it's a limiter compressor, I take 20, 40, I'll just pin it however much gain reduction I can do. And that'll usually let me know what tone is going on. Um, and then I can dial it back. So I usually start there. I'll just like max out everything. I'll boost if it's an EQ. I'll boost every part of the EQ to its maximum um, to hear what it does one by one. If it's a multi EQ, like multiple bands. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. Same with plugins. Maybe the same thing. Um, but that's a good way. Yeah, that's actually a good thing to bring up because especially now like you have accessibility subscription you can have every plugin ever made from every company for like $200 a month literally like every company out there mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't know what to use where to start um, but that's a great way to train your ears um, if you're using a compressor take 20 dB off see what happens like is it distorting did the low end go away is the low end bigger is the top end gone um, and that'll give you a good idea of how the unit might react in theory. Of course, different gain will impact the tone on some level, but that's usually where I start. Um, Another quick note I wanted to make too was in order to train your ear properly, I don't want to harp on this, but you need to have a good setup on some level. So Mm -hmm. decent room, full range monitors, or great headphones. Um, You've got to be able to hear, you know, everything correctly in order to train your ear correctly. That was a big thing that I had to unlearn. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have spent more money up front on a good set of monitors or great headphones um, because I learned what records... I spent a lot of time when I started listening to tons of records, but I was listening to them improperly, essentially, because my room was a mess and my headphones were cheap. And so... Not that it wasn't beneficial, but I began to think, oh, the low end's always so big on these records or blah, blah, blah. And I remember the first time I sat in a Carl Tatz room here in Nashville um, and listened to these records that I thought, oh, these sound this way and that way and this way. And I kind of went down the line and honestly, like every record that I heard was like darn near flat. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. like not nearly as drastic and like, you know, most of these hit records, I kept going through different records and I was like, oh, it's like really pretty straightforward. Like, you know, and your room can just really manipulate records, you know, um, resonant buildups, you know, dips, cancellations, nulls, like you really um, can make a mess of training your ear improperly when you start if you don't have a decent setup. If you if you can't afford good monitors, if you can't spend four thousand dollars on on monitors and treat your room, buy a thousand dollar headphone, like a decent headphone, 
that's going to give you a much better representation. At least a DAC. Yeah, at least a DAC. You know, you can... I have the Mojo 2 for traveling, and that's like three, $400, and it sounds terrific. Um, you can buy... I mean, I really would want to say, like, if you're not ready to commit to a room, get yourself a great set of headphones and get yourself a great DAC, and you will at least be able to hear what is supposed to be there and train mm. your ear properly because... And man, it took me when I started getting into good rooms in my own room. Had it, had my first room at my last house done by an acoustician, and then he set up the barefoots. And like, I had to relearn everything. Everything sounded different and not as like hyped and not as boomy. And the vocal, really, the imaging, the three, the th- the phantom, like the phantom image, uh, the depth and the width is wild when you get into a good room compared to like mm. most people's rooms that feel like two D. Um, you can literally feel like you're placing things front to back, left to right, anywhere within like, you know, like a semicircle essentially in stereo. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I got like experienced that in my own room and I was like, oh, this is how people do this. Like, <laughs> this isn't so hard <laughs> when you, mm-hmm. there is a lot of space in this, you know, stereo, you know, like two channel thing. And when you don't have a great room, um, or a great, you know, device to listen to, or great headphones. It does feel like really compact in 2D. You're like, where's this depth? And then you'll listen to a great <laughs> record. In my opinion, at least my experience, and I'm like, oh, it feels like it's got some movement stuff. But then when you even get into a good room, you play that record. Then you're like, holy crap! Holy crap! Like this record really does move. Like mm-hmm. some of this. Like I remember I listened to. Um, it was a Keith Urban record that CLA had mixed the single. I think it was Blue, the color blue. What is that song? There is, there is a, um, I got a Blue looks good on you or doesn't look good on you. Let me look it up here. <laughs> anyway, I was at a studio in town that had like a brand new uh, PMC setup and Blue Ain't Your Color, that's the song. And CLA mixed it, I believe. And he doesn't always do country. But there is this spring reverb on the guitar down the center. And I remember being in this room and it had like a pimped out setup. It had just been set up by PMC, I think. And when that guitar slapped, that reverb like literally felt like it went 30 feet backwards. Hmm. And I will like never forget that image, that hit (laughs) on one of the guitar slaps and how far it went back. And I say all that just because you do need a decent setup um, in order to hear correctly. You want to train your ear. You need to at least give yourself a chance to train correctly. Let me pause there. Hand it to you, Matt. Hardware. How do you test it out? What do you think about that? (laughs) I uh, I pretty much do the exact same thing. Twins. uh, (laughs) I dial it up pretty good um, with compressors I just slam the slam the goodness out of it and because it's like like ultimately you're going to be able to hear its tone that's going to creep in at the lower gain reduction limits um, when when you can kind of hear its full tone you can hear that tone creep in and then it's like if there's like any kind of like noisiness that happens when it's slammed it's like okay well when does that not happen um and then, like, running songs that I know through this gear that's, like, really pinned, and it's like, okay, well, that's not supposed to sound like that, and that's, this is doing this, this is doing this. I'll take, like, a lot of measurements, too, and those measurements will really show, it's like, okay, yeah, how is this, like, like channel to channel? It's like, are these channels drifting away from one another? And I feel like that just helps me work a little bit better and like be able to like kind of trust the gear. It's kind of like getting to know a dog <laughs> a little bit. And it's like, all right, well, it's like, what? How, how can I? I don't know. How can I? How can I make this work? Um, you go up to the dog. You see if it licks your hand. If it is like keep licking, <laughs> does it growl? Like what's going to happen? Does it roll over on its back? Let you scratch its belly? I don't know. That's how you know. That's how you know you made it. Um, anyway. Um, I'll normally, I'll normally do that, but to do that with, um, compressors, EQs, and especially things that you're going to rely on for tone. So just like in general tone boxes, if you're going to use transformers, um, and then something else 
some stuff claims to be hard bypass, and it might be, but it's like it's still going through mm-hmm. like connectors and stuff like that. And I mean, stuff sound stuff has a sound. I mean, anyway you anyway you really cut it, and it's not necessarily like oh I can hear this Neutrik over like these other ones, these other connectors, but. It's like it kind of comes down to like a culmination of like all that stuff that was used to bypass because there's still stuff there. You're just not going through like the actual like circuit of what that piece of gear does. And so there are box tones, and it's one of the reasons I don't run the um, the dangerous backs much anymore. Um, is because I would bypass it and I'd be like, there's like still like a little bit of like, it wasn't a bad tone. It was like a touch of like a sheen and I could actually measure it. And I was like, this hard bypass isn't really a hard bypass. And I mean, it's nothing against dangerous. I mean, I thought it sounded really good, but it's just like, you know, I can't even get this out of here. It's like, I need to put it on a massive passive channel. I don't want to have to mess around my patching on the massive passive to accommodate a piece of gear that it's like, eh, I can kind of work around not having it. Um. Anyway, but yeah, I don't know. If anyone's on the fence about a Bax, I don't want to talk you out of it. I mean, I'm sure the new ones are glorious. Um, just whether or not you that that, that matters to you. Um, I'll also say that working. Oh, and we got like ten minutes left. I will say that work as quick as you can and as hard as you can to work in your head on getting to a position where you're able to make quick decisions on like a b yeah and so if you're not able to do that i would actually say that would probably disqualify you from this is really harsh i think that would be a pretty big disqualifier from like being a mastering engineer if it, you're just like taking forever to a b stuff yeah like sure take your time but it's like at some point, like, is the client actually going to hear the difference between like this piece of gear or this piece of gear if they're pretty darn similar? And it's like you're like kind of weighing these two things. It's like which one do you like? Which one fits your rig better? Not like like the chain that you that you're working with better. And just do a quick A B. This one sounds better. Let's move on. Yeah. And it's not like a disqualifier of like, oh, you can't do this for the rest of your life. It's like you need to be able to make really quick decisions because it's like ultimately, unless you're working by the hour, then, and if you're getting paid like $50, $100, $125, whatever a song, it's like time is money to a degree. And I'm not saying to rush through stuff for the sake of money, but it's like at some point, it's like, you know, like this, this, the mastering game is a game of volume. Yeah. And it's not like where you're only going to work on X number of like projects a year. You literally need to keep moving. And if you if you have a very slow A B process, don't me wrong. I have some mixes that I get, and I just get lost in them. And I'm like, like you know how guys can just zone out and just like <laughs> my cousin, who's a bit of a pothead, he would just like kind of like stare at the sky, and it's like this is like post all the, all the drugs and everything. He would just kind of like stare at this, like just kind of stare off into the sky, and be like, Dan, Dan. Dan, are you, you you talking to the mothership, Dan? <laughs> what are you doing? I'll totally have mixes that are just so good. I'll just talk to the mothership. And it's just, I'll just zone out and I'll just kind of like be one with the music for a little bit. And that's totally fine. But as far as like making like quick quality decisions of, I think it needs to be wider. Does it need to be like a little stereo thing done by the manly backbone on the MS circuit? Is it something that the Neve can take care of with the width? Is it something that we're going to do MS into the Masilic and we're just going to expand the sides a little bit? Is it going to be something that we think can be solved by running the Manly Varimu, Rupert Neve, and all that stuff? Like running that, uh, uh, what is it, Uh, dual mono as opposed to stereo, um, which I always do recommend. I do think you get a nicer width uh, with that. and just being able to be like, like these are like real decisions that you need to make about like, because different widths like and ways of getting there sound different. Or is this something I need to do in the box? Uh, that was a lot of air. Anyway, um, quick ABs are, and really knowing your chain, I think is, 
insanely important. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing what you not knowing what you like versus knowing what you don't like, and people are coming to you because of you, and so. It doesn't always need to be like, oh, what's this person going to like? And you're guessing that. It's like, no, it's kind of what you like because you're the one that was hired. Um, and they 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 appreciate your judgment. Um, two other things. I think you need a reference playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have one, I have one. You're more than welcome to... Um, use it. <laughs> My Spotify username is Axel Rosenberg. I just thought it was funny. And I have like two reference playlists. It's like the one I use for everything is reference 2.0. And it just has a bunch of songs that I have on there that I really just have for very specific specific parts of the song. But it helps me if I go into like another room I really, or like throw on headphones, I really know how that song should play and translate. And to me, they're fun songs, but they're so boring right now because I've listened to them so much and you should listen to the car. You should listen to them in your house, on AirPods, on like other wired headphones everywhere. So when you go somewhere else, you know how those tunes should sound. Um, I highly recommend that. If you want a reference plus, you can go to, you know, fortherecordmastering.com and I got a whole little... uh little card of songs I've mastered. You're <laughs> welcome to use those too. Also great songs. Um, last quick dialogue, Sam. Mm. Do you ever get out of shape when you haven't mastered for a while? You come back from vacation and you're, you're kind of like, you have to like re-catch your bearings at all? I honestly, I don't. Like, and so the question I'm asking <laughs> is, it, is the ear training something you at all have to maintain? I... I don't know. I haven't been away from it long enough mm. to probably answer that question correctly. But at this stage, I feel like I've done so many records that mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like I, I mean, I will say like I could master on mute in theory. Like if I need to have my meters in a frequency analyzer, analyzer, try this. I know for the most part where what a what a what a good record looks like on three different meters and frequency now is that how i want to master no i don't <laughs> i like listening to the records um but you know at this stage i know the mixes i'm getting are really solid like mm-hmm. so i know i actually could you know in theory probably look at my meters and look at where the frequencies are and be like, oh, what's that gap there? Or like, what's that doing there? Mm-hmm. And adjust some things. And then, I'm, I mean, I've done, I've done this like for fun, like at home. And it turns out great. Um, so yeah, I don't, at this stage, I don't think I'll ever lose it. Um, I don't ever feel rusty. I think that was something I realized. I'm going to try not be too long-winded, but when I first got to Nashville, I was around a crowd that was like, we really didn't know what we were doing. And we we were running on pure emotion and like passion. And mm. so like you wanted to create at 11 p.m. after three PBRs, you know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I need to be in a certain zone in order to like really create or like mix well or do these things. And then after a while, I realized... You know, I met like a lot of people who do this, actually do it for a living and they have families and responsibilities and it's like, oh, they just, they execute at 9 a.m. Like (laughs) they write a hit song at 9 a.m. fully sober every week, you know, or they mix Mm -hmm. a record at, you know, 4 p.m. after a workout right before dinner at six. Like not that you can't, be inspired or have a, you know, a late, if that's your vibe, that's fine. But I've found most professionals can execute not needing to be stimulated, intoxicated, or at a certain time of day. You either can execute or you can't. It's like Michael Jordan can make a basket at 4 a.m., 2 p.m., you know, whenever you needed him to make a basket, he would make it. And I think that is, for me, there was a shift over time of like, I need to be able to execute my best like at any time in theory, 9 a.m. when I start working, you know, and you just kind of train yourself that you don't need to like 
be inspired or motivated or have certain like I I of course have like certain rituals of my morning of like get up and meditate work out blah blah breakfast so you know there's some pushback of like a ritual but overall what I've found is um, either either learn like what it really means to be a master engineer and then you kind of have that forever I think. Um, but I think it takes years and years and years. Looking back now, it's like, oh, it took me years and years and years and years, five, six years, I feel like, before I was like, I think I f- really understand this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't keep learning, but I do feel like it's a bit like riding a bike or if I go on vacation for a week, like when I come back, I I don't have any issues like getting back into it. Um but, you know, I don't know. I just, it's kind of all I know now, like 12 years into this is like, <clears throat> I don't know. I, if I took like six months off, maybe it'd be different. But I, fe- I have a feeling it won't be, it wouldn't be because I, I know what I need to look for and listen for. But who knows? I don't know. Just speaking. What about <clears throat> you? Do you feel, ru- and I guess I want to say too, if someone's out there is like, oh, I feel rusty after two days. That's great. That's fine. <laughs> like that's not a knock on you at all. I don't want that to I'd sound like I'd like to get a that. pulse on the industry on this <laughs> yeah. because um it's not like coming in after a weekend, but um my wife likes to plan like longer like if we go on like a vacation or whatnot. Yeah. Um well, I I don't know if we're gone for like 5 or 8 days or whatnot, and I've kind of like blocked off my calendar. I'm not doing anything remote or whatnot. Um, I actually don't feel comfortable doing it remote yet. I don't trust myself yet. Um, I feel comfortable like obviously like taking like approved product, DDP, and anything that needs to happen. But um, yeah, as far as anything else, not necessarily. Um, I think it'd be so cool, but not yet. But if I'm gone for five or eight days... I don't know. That first one, I know I mean, it might take me a little bit longer than normal. Might have to listen to it and whatnot until I kind of get back in the groove of things, the routine. Um, yeah, I really want to, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind being a little rusty coming back and, you know, he's a little bit out of shape of sorts, but um, it's never like a big hindrance and like people like always love what the master sounds like, but... Um, look like at this like, crazy car here, like doing donuts out <laughs> outside. It's like holy crap! Uh, I wonder if people really hear that on here. Um, but anyway, yeah, I do, and so that's why I think like training your ears and keeping up on stuff and like really just reviewing stuff that just kind of brings you life, I think is really important. So yeah, I think to add to that real quick. I think I would be in theory rusty if I didn't keep up with like listening to records of what's out there. Like if I just stopped listening to what's popular, because a lot of what I do is like people want it to sound like whatever's popular. And if I took a break from that for six months, I think I would be behind because I do really pay attention yeah. to that. So that's all I want to say. Cool. So I'm going to wrap us here. Um, I think this was a good episode. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, I didn't know we would run a little bit long on it. That's uh, that's how you know we had a lot to say. I feel like I could definitely go, I could definitely embellish a little bit more as well. Um, but anyway, if you have made it to this part of the episode, thank you. If you wouldn't mind uh, giving Sam a big thank you for putting these episodes together. That sweet beat queuing up in the background was made by him. We're around the 140s in episodes right now, and so that means he's made 140 different tunes for us to kind of just love with these intros and outros and everything. And I mean, he just puts a lot of himself into it. So if you can just give him a quick thanks, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, If you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at... Uh, you are Moses Mastering, not for the record. Yes. <laughs> Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. And uh, we'd love to master your tunes. If you just want to look us up, we'd love to chat. Um, if you wouldn't mind taking a screenshot of this very moment and posting it and sharing it wherever you are sharing things uh, and tell your friends, we'd greatly appreciate it. It's literally been like word of mouth and then just kind of like 
I mean, kind of, <laughs> it's a garbage marketing on our part. It's like literally been word of mouth. And so y'all are awesome. And literally what makes this podcast tick. Mm-hmm. So when we hear people say like that, they've never missed an episode and stuff. It's just like, there's a part of me that's like, why? <laughs> I know I've done one. I, I, we've had to have done one that hasn't been perfect, but thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much just for being you and uh, making this podcast what it is. Um, and with that, I'd say uh, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. And we'll uh, see you in episode six. Take care. Bye. Bye. This car is still going. Donut job. Donut job. <laughs>